for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock, uh, post-Australian Grand Prix and the first ever points races there. Did you watch many or all of it? Watched all of it. Uh, thank you, Tony. And I've, I think I said last week on the show, I'm not sold. I'm definitely not sold on uh, uh, points races for the Grand Prix. I'm not sold on the Grand Prix. So if I say any more, I'll probably re- repeat what I said last week. It uh, certainly uh, enlivened things, uh, possibly. Um, uh, it added another spectrum, too. And, look, you know, in many ways, it, it was interesting. I mean, certainly there were detractors as well as those uh, for the Saturday night twilight race, which became uh, quite interesting. Scotty Pye, of course, the excitement for that team and for him gaining his first ever win in Supercar. So that was a fantastic thing. But here we are getting ready for Simmons Plains. The points tightened up as everything tightens at Simmons Plains with a lap record around the 50-second mark. But points tightened up after the uh, first six races of the year. And so the teams are now on their way to Simmons Plains. There's only a 49-point gap between Dave Reynolds sitting second in the championship. He won one of the four races, and Scotty Pye won his first ever, while McLaughlin and Wincup took the other two, adding to their year-round tally. So Simmons Plains is uh, interesting, Craig, because it's got a new qualifying system. I think we have used it some time ago, but it's virtually Formula One motor-style GP with three different phases, each of 10 minutes. So this weekend coming up, we've got on Friday two 45-minute practice sessions, another 20-minute, I think it is, practice on Saturday before the uh, qualifying session rolls out. And there are three distinct different sections, each of 10 minutes for qualifying. So those who get to the third round will have used their tyres more. So they won't be uh, as uh, probably doing the same sort of times in that session as maybe in the earlier ones. But, uh, that it, look, it makes it interesting. It certainly adds to the equation because it's needed there. With 26 cars on a 2.4-kilometre uh, track, there's not a lot of room. And then, of course, we have race seven of our year's championship on Saturday afternoon, a 50-lapper. Well, on Sunday, it's another of the qualifying sessions with three 10-minute qualifying sessions before an 84-lap race on the uh, race eight on the Sunday. So that's uh, a fascinating uh, look at uh, what will be happening this weekend. Simmons, of course, is, a, is an interesting track. Um, it's it's very novel. It's only a 2.4, the only one left of its length, I think, uh, in the championship now. And it's, it's second only to Sandown as the most used Australian Touring Car Championship, Supercar Championship uh, track. It's been uh, had 46 championship rounds there compared to Sandown's 48. And quite likely Sandown's coming up for its last ever in the near future with the housing estates looming on the horizon. Last year, of course, we had that rather disastrous and the worst ever probably accident we've seen in uh, touring cars at a sprint round. On the Saturday, 11 cars taken out, leaving only 15, and none of them got points because the race was not deemed long enough. It had a time-certain ending, so that was uh, brought to a close. And then of those 11, 
four of them never got to start on Sunday either. So it's uh, it's a, a track that uh, can certainly have a disaster very quickly. But it's interesting because uh, we've got uh, five of the six races this year won by the ZB. Win Cup with the last year model, he holds the, both the qualifying and the uh, race uh, lap record. A 50.96 qualifying and a 51.43 in the race. So it's going to be interesting with the new car. The AAA just sort of said they're just polishing the car now. But um, all in all, it's uh, been a fascinating build-up for this event. And one man who, uh, Craig, you've had time to talk to, Cam Waters, uh, had a very busy uh, couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. He took out the National Modified Sedan title in Horsham on the weekend. And so I spoke to him about the uh, the championship, Australian Speedway Championship, about racing speedway and supercars. And we also had a chat about this new qualifying format. So uh, it was interesting to hear his thoughts on uh, what he can take from one to the other. And then, of course, you spoke to Nicholas Bates um, about predominantly brakes, but it's a very famous name in Australian motorsport. Of course, uh, Rick has uh, won so many endurance national uh, endurance rallies and uh, has been a, a production car stalwart over the years. And, of course, uh, Neil Bates is in the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame along with his uh, long-time navigator, Coral Taylor, for their successes throughout the rallying world. So it's a very sporty family. They come from Canberra, so they must be good people. And... Um, you, you spoke to them at the end of last, or you spoke to Nicholas at the end of last year um, about how he's involved in motorsport. Indeed, indeed. The Bates family is one of those interesting families. Nicholas, uh, of course, the younger of the Neil and Rick uh, twins. And uh, Nicholas heads up a company called Competition Friction, supplying uh, the AP brakes uh, for the category, both the uh, drums and uh, the rather discs and the rotors, uh, calibers rather. Well, they'll see anyway, the drums if you while, want them. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm sure they will. Anyway, after the break, we'll come back with Cam Waters. I've known his father for some years. Uh, Cam, of course, has got a history of winning championship. He won Formula Ford with Sonic. Then he won the development series with... He won that with FPR, I think he did win it with one of yes, their Yes, it cars. was, FPR. Anyway... Yep. In the NZ yep. car. His father, of course, has been around motorsport because he used to race speedway up in Mildura. Uh, and his uh, his son, Cam, has uh, gone on and taken the title. Eluded him, but uh, certainly Cam has uh, well and truly uh, given credit to his father for his start in motorsport. So after the break, it's Cam Waters. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two lovers to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to up, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapid family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Cam Waters joins us now, and congratulations, Cam. It's not not that often that you have a V8 supercar driver winning 
a Speedway National Championship, but that's exactly what you did at Horsham last weekend, taking out the National Modified Sedan title. It's a a fantastic achievement, and uh, who doesn't like having number one on their car? Yeah, well, um, firstly, thanks for having me, and yes, um, absolutely awesome to obviously win the the national title. Um, Yeah, I don't think many supercar drivers could say they won on on dirt as well, so... um, yeah, fantastic weekend. It was great to leave with um, number one on the car. Now, it's not something you've just jumped in for the first time and tried. You've been running most of the season, haven't you? Yeah, so um, I've been racing Speedway on and off for about uh, four years. I did a couple of years in a late model, had a year off, and then um, this is my second season in the modified. So, yeah, I'm not completely green at it, but it is different to, obviously, the supercar stuff, what I'm used to. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic to... um. Yeah, do it, and just good fun, really, to, to be able to race those things and seek to walk away with the trophy. <laughs> what prompted you to get into the Speedway? Um, well, I guess growing up, my dad used to race Speedway, so um, that's probably what got me um, falling in love with the sport, and motorsport, really, is watching him race, and that's the reason why I got into go-karts. So when the opportunity came up to be able to race the class that he used to race in Speedway, um, yeah, naturally, I just wanted to do it, so um, that's what really got me into it. So do you race his number? Uh, no, I don't actually. So um, the car owner, or the guy that I drive for, he's, um, we run with his number. Okay. And obviously you have got uh, great support from NZ and uh, a few other people that make it possible for you to be able to uh, do a bit more racing on the side. Yeah, I've, um, I've got a fantastic supporter base. So, um, of the NZ, they've been with me since um, pretty much the Dunlop Series days. Um, they're, they're an awesome sponsor of mine, and I wouldn't be able to do it without them. But um, not just them, there's a lot of other sponsors on the car. I can't thank Travis and Karen Shaw. They were in the car enough to let me drive it, and even my parents for, um, for getting me into it also. You are originally from Mildura. Um, I imagine you spend most of your time in Melbourne these days. Yes, um, grew up in Mildura, so there's a massive amount of um, motorsport in Mildura. Uh, but yeah, now I'm, I'm based in Melbourne with um, with the team. Mm. Now you haven't, you didn't have it all your own way on uh, on the race over the weekend, and uh, you started out of position six. How quick were you able to work through the field? And were you always confident that you could get to the front? Yeah, we um, we had an okay um, run through the heat to get enough points, so we started six. Um, there was only a couple of points between six and probably second. Um, we knew we had a fast car, we just had to get to the front, and luckily the, the heavens opened on that first lap. I got into third, and um, yeah, I knew from that point I could probably win it. So um, yeah, just slowly pick my way through and look after the tyres, and yeah, come out the other side with number one. And at what stage did you uh, set a new track record? Um, I think I set that about uh, 25 laps in, so... Um, Tyres weren't fresh or anything by that stage, so I was actually surprised that I got the lap record. But, um, yeah, the car was, was handling fantastic. Now, does having the experience on the dirt help you when you're in situations we, like we saw at Melbourne uh, a few weeks ago when it was absolutely torrential rain, or is there really no transferable skills? Um, I think I think a little bit of it would probably carry over. Just um, natural car control really sets in in any of those low groups. Um, circumstances so speedway you're always trying to find the grip in the in the track and um yeah when it rains like that it's, it's pretty similar you're always looking at the track trying to find dry patches or or more grip so it helps 
I think it helps, but um, I don't really want to tell my competitors that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're going down to Tasmania this weekend, and obviously one of the big things about a tight little circuit, much like a speedway, is the fact that you need clean air and need clean running, and supercars have looked to address that this year by changing the qualifying process. What are, what are your thoughts on those changes? Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how the qualifying format plays out. Um, it'll be obviously a bit different to what we're used to and put a bit more emphasis on um, on practice because that'll set what qualifying you're in. So um, I guess practice will mean a lot more now looking at the results where you actually are um, and hopefully it'll make qualifying a little bit more interesting. I was amazed, uh, particularly at Clipsal, when I was looking at how many tyres got handed back to Dunlop that were uh, still had the knobs on them. Perhaps we're not going to see that at uh, at uh, Tasmania this weekend. No, I think um, I think all the tyres are used this weekend. Unless if it rains, which it uh, can do in Tasmania pretty easily. But um, yeah, we'll all be trying to set quick times in practice to make sure you're in the top bunch. Now, how's consistency going this year? Because obviously, uh, having the same people around you make for uh, a progression and, and make for the opportunity to, to grow a lot easier than when things get chopped and changed around, which is what, you know, you were having in the in the lower ranks a little bit. Yeah, the um, consistency on my cars is good. It's exactly the same as last year. So we're, um, we're really building on what we learnt last year, which is nice. Um, Brad and myself are working really well together and, and getting the car where we need it we're both not very happy with it yet and we're inside the top 10 and ace wise pretty good so um yeah there's still more to come i think and what have you found following the the new holden's been like because uh, most people would know that when you're following a nissan there's quite a different uh feeling than what it was like following the commodore previously has the new arrow on the on the commodore made it a bit harder to tail um, uh, to be honest, I haven't been close enough to the new Holden yet. I think it's a pretty slippery car, so it'll be fast in the straights, which is a little bit of a worry on Tasmania. But, um, yeah, to be honest, I, I'm not really sure what the, the dirty air off the Holden's going to be like. But, yeah, it's going to be fast, no doubt. We've already, already proved that. So um, we've just got to put our best foot forward and make sure we qualify in front of it. Mm. Well, I guess now a national championship under your belt and... Plenty of solid results over the last couple of years in the supercars. Your confidence is going to be sky high. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with how I'm driving at the moment. and um, Yeah, it's always nice to win a, a national title. You know, you're on top of your game when you can win any title. So, um, yeah, we'll keep putting our head down for the, the supercars one and hopefully we can win that one as well. Cam, congratulations on the victory at Horsham over the weekend and we wish all the best for this weekend down there in Tassie. Sweet, thanks for having me. After the break, we'll be listening to a conversation that I had with Nick Bates, head of Competition Friction in Australia and AP Brakes. So after the break, we'll be back. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as BAT Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, 
Email insiders at sportradio.com.au. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're fortunate here at Newcastle to be joined by Nick Bates. Nick has been in the brake business with competition friction for some considerable time. How long, Nick? Uh, it's actually 20 years this year. So, years. so this is 20 years, yeah, believe it or not. So Nick not only supplies the uh, com- control components for both the development series and the main series but also other racing parts, bits and parts and he's actually got his advertising listed here on his uh, jumper from AP Racing, Goodrich, Ferrodo, Stabuli and P- PFC um, so I want to just talk about the, the situation this year you, you had some moments during the year where there was a change in specification of uh, pads and rotors um, it's all settled down again. Is this particular track presenting any different problems? No, Newcastle, obviously it's a new place, so we, we, um, it was a bit of an unknown, but we got some data off through Scapesport before the event and fed that back to the UK and had a look just to see where we thought the brakes were going to be. Um, it's a Clipsal type of event, I suppose. So it's, from a brake point of view, it's great because they're always on the brakes, but they're never using that hard, so the temp sits exactly where you want it to sit. You know, not never too cold, never too hot. It's a shorter track is... we go to now. Yeah, yeah, it's a shorter track. Lots of braking moments, but never any big moments, so it's kind of the opposite of Bathurst, which is very few braking moments, but they're, you know, significant, like at the chase, for example. Um, OK, so next year there's a change in the development series, becomes Solus, the domain of the... Uh, uh, the next car or the, the current car in the main series is that going to change things at all or do they have the same uh, so it's just a, so the development series will use the same road as the main game um, to this point the development series has used the same road from the introduction of the car of the future to the first road that we introduced and they've carried that all the way through any changes, iterations have just happened in the main game and again they're generally brought around because of Bathurst running 1000 k's around Bathurst which development series doesn't do um, there's never been a, cha- a need to look at their rotor and change it now we've seen at Bathurst a time when there was everybody was changing rotors at least once if not twice during a race um, it seems to be there's more stability now there's not the same a need to be changing is that correct yeah so with the car of the future when we develop the brakes the idea of it's a weird thing there's 16 races in a year and, and you're developing a rotor to get through one race essentially and then the rest of the races you kind of make do with that because it's a control component one thing um, so we put a lot more mass into the rotor than the than the previous setup a uh, lot more pad depth so there's just more area more heat soak more 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 of everything to get through Bathurst with on the one set of rotors you would have seen in the 20 years you've been doing uh, racing brakes enormous amount of change. I mean, mainly in things like uh, pad compounds. I mean, the way in which uh, they dissipate heat and the way in which they retard the brake. Right? There's been enormous change over that 20 years. Yeah, there, ha- there has. I guess if you go back maybe 25 years, you know, that DS11 was the compound that, that people used and, you, you know, you had to get ridiculous amounts of heat into it. They had asbestos. Um, they were very difficult to use. The pads probably now are much easier to use is probably the main thing they've got a much wider temperature range that they run in um, a lot more friction so you're not developing friction with the with the rotor with slots on the rotor the friction just comes from the pad so um, you know you can get pads nowadays that have got you know, three times as much friction as a pad from 20 years ago so friction's easy control is probably the thing now you look for in pads which is feel and modulation 
you would have seen the change from the team personnel, the, the people you're dealing with. I mean, one of the things that's very obvious to me is we don't see the retirements due to finger problems now that we did back in the 90s. Finger problems caused by people who are not quite trained properly for what they were doing or they were tired or those sort of things have, have largely gone out with more professionalism of the sport now. Yeah, the category's much more professional. You know, you get the whole pit lane now is, you know, they're professional teams. They all know what they're doing. They're all running solid businesses. I think if you go back 20 years, there was there were three or four professional teams and then a whole lot of weekend races, I suppose you'd call them. So, yeah, the level of professionalism's significantly <laughs> increased in that time and makes our life easier in some ways and more difficult in other ways because uh, the questions are harder. And finally, looking into 2018, are there any changes coming at this stage to specifications for you? Are there any developments that you're bringing, introducing? Um, so we're still looking at the rotor. Um, again, Bathurst is a challenge, so we'll carry on with the rotor as it is now. Um, the pads are fixed, so there's no change there. Um, we are developing a Bathurst rotor, if you want to call it still, because we've we've had a few goes at it. Um, Bathurst is a really unique challenge. The cars kept going faster every year by, you know, second, two seconds a lap. Um, we've got to keep moving with that. So for sure, we're developing a, a Bathurst rotor, and that'll just get introduced over time and through the course of the year. Of course, that's a rotor that doesn't cool down too much, which you could do and have enormous problems when you arrive at the end of Conrod, and it's the, <laughs> the pad's not working properly because it's all too cool. So it's that balance in between retaining the heat and losing it. Yeah, correct. So we, we're making a less efficient part for Bathurst which goes against everything you would normally do but yeah we need to retain the heat in the rotor so that it's not too cool at the chase and of course that has other impacts on wheel bearings on heat sink back into the tyre yeah so we're beholden to the teams with all of those sorts of things so they're trying to control a lot of things the tyre temp, um, the aero impact of the brake duct you know, bearing temps and that sort of stuff, and so they, they get our product and go and do things with it that we probably didn't plan, and we've just got to work with the teams, I suppose, and make sure that they, they can do that. How did you start yourself in this game? How do you, how do you make the decision that I'm going to start uh, bringing out or supplying brakes to motor racing? Uh, I come from a motorsport family, so motorsport's kind of in the blood, um, and I started working for Barry Smith, who was doing Brembo brakes and Padgett brakes, probably 30 years ago, 25 years ago, something like that, started working for, for him and then we um, opened up Competition Friction and, and took out the AP distributorship and I guess it, it, motorsport's just something that you do when you come from a motorsport family, as you know, and I'm probably on the other side of the fence to where my brothers are and um, but still heavily involved. We've talked about brakes and rotors, but how critical are the other components when you talk about the caliper and master cylinders too? Yeah, the calipers... Um, we don't see them breaking or having the uh, the casting problems that we did 20 years ago either. No, the calipers are forging now, and I guess that's a big step in calipers the last few years. Is, is you, either, you used to have a cast caliper which were poor and you know they're massively affected by the temperature, or a billet caliper which were tremendously expensive. So the forgings now make you you can get a you know a budget caliper for another word if two and a half grand's a budget. Um, that lasts really really well, and yeah, the calipers are fairly hassle free. Um, you know, the, the original design of those hasn't changed and they did a very good job of both the front and rear calipers. So. All right, well, it's been wonderful talking to Nicholas Bates here on Competition Friction and Inside Supercars and we look forward to uh, continuing the relationship in uh, 2018 and beyond. Thank you. See you next year.
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Cour Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Fascinating uh, weekend. One of the things that happened in the Grand Prix was that it's not the first time that uh, Nick Perkett's been on a podium with BJR, but he's certainly enjoying his time there. He had a uh, different uh, engineer, I believe. Yeah, to be honest, I don't think I've really had a great weekend since I came out of uh, Dunlop Series when you know myself, Chaz and McLaughlin would go toe-to-toe every single weekend. I think since then I've had a pretty interesting little supercar career, so um, you know, to get a home with BJR, which is something I was really keen to do for many years and then last year I think I was just uh, too excited to go well and every time we were in a good position I would <laughs> hit the fence or something like that and this year it's come in I'm just a bit more relaxed um, I've got a really good home there and car works well and these are these cars sometimes when you just take a step back from it and drive it properly you go faster and that's what's happened this year and not forcing it and um, just really enjoying working with the crew and it's the first time in my career since. Yeah, yeah, over. It's actually the first time in my career since in any stage go karts, Formula Four, Dunlop Series, or Porsche. I've had the same engineer two years in a row. And you look at Jamie, and, you know, you have the same bloke next to you for your whole life. So it's um, it's cool to have that. And Brad backs you, and they always try and make the car faster. And for me this weekend, it was just let the car do the work, and that's what it did. And um, yeah, I think it's the most consistent with the results in quality backed it up each, each session, got better and better, and then the races, obviously, we weren't back in the field-up or anything like that. We deserved to be there, so it was good. Nick Perkett was asked, where was his engineer? Not he was today, not yeah. here. He's at a wedding. But uh, he did all the work back at the workshop. Him and I, he did all the work, and that's why it's um, pretty funny that the weekend he's not here, that the setup he gave us to roll out with, we didn't touch. So maybe we'll just tell him to set it up at the workshop and uh, we'll just not bring an engineering book, we'll just leave it at home and go again. Andrew Edwards was doing the engineering for Nick Perkett at the Melbourne Grand Prix round of the championship and Nick said he seemed to like the role being in the main game. Yeah, I think AE loved it to be honest. Um, he does a really good job for us at you know, the top of the pyramid I guess, making sure the engineers are under control and then um, does a bit with Macaulay in the Dunlop series but I think he really Enjoyed being back on a main series car. I think it's the first time he's probably run one of the top two BJR cars because um, I think he came through and obviously it was on the third car before he kind of progressed through the position he's in now. So he enjoyed it and it was really good to work with and it was pretty fluent to be honest. All the stuff on the radio was all normal. There was no issues there and I think we only really knew about it a week or so ago and we didn't really speak much before that and rocked up here and off we went. Boy, it's going to be a very busy weekend uh, down at Simmons Plains because they've got the uh, uh, Super 2s running again alongside them, along with the Touring Car Masters, Formula 4, and I think it's almost a local category in Sports GT, which I think encompasses what used to be Target Tasmania sort of cars. But it'll be a very busy weekend and certainly one well worth watching. There are highlights on free-to-air on both Friday or Saturday and Sunday, 
But uh, if you're a Fox uh, viewer, then you can obviously tune in and watch all day and all night. Well, at the Melbourne Grand Prix, it was all beer and skittles after the supercars had finished their race. Jamie Wincup was having a bit of fun when he was asked about how Melbourne was preparing them for Tassie in the next round of the championship. I, I think Dave loves the, the map of Tassie. Um, so, yeah, we love getting down there, having a good time. Now, um, how's your prep, Dave? I've been staring at it for weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly years, even. Craig, your final thought for this week? My final thought is that really on these one-minute or sub-one-minute laps, which we've got at... Simmons Plains this weekend and over at Perth, of course, where the lap is right on the minute mark. We should look at get rid of the congestion and with 26 cars on a one-minute lap, give them a full field, a full field shootout for each of the races. And the reason I say this is I complained bitterly when they did this in Canberra because it was a long track, it was a boring track, and a full field rundown when you had 30, what was it back then, 37 cars, uh, took a goodly part of the day. But when you're talking about a one-minute lap, you're talking about uh, a minute and a half, you know, to uh, get out and around for your warm-up lap and then a similar time to get back in so you don't spoil someone else's lap, you could do it in conceivably less than 45 minutes and you would then be talking about an absolutely pure racing lap. Wouldn't be too bad for the fans, in my opinion, and it'd certainly be interesting to see how quick the cars can go when they've got no one getting in their way and not having to worry about finding space, even in a reduced field like we're going to see the knockout style this weekend. But uh, anyway, it's food for thought. I know that I complained bitterly when it was uh, previously tried, but I think on the short, super short tracks, then uh, there might be some merit to it. But I also think uh, toughen up, you know, toughen up, sweetheart. Get out there with 26 cars on the track and find a spot. Craig, I'm looking forward to watching. I won't get to see uh, Simmons Plains. I first went there in 1971 with a Formula 5000 as I was a number two or maybe even number three or number four mechanic. But I uh, thoroughly enjoy it. It's such a simple little track. It's so difficult to get it right, but it such, provides such great racing, and I think it'll be an enormous amount of fun. It'll be great to see how Anton comes up, Anton T. Pasquale. He still sits in the top 20. He's 17th on points. Again, he's uh, the top of the uh, five uh, rookies. And, of course, there are five rookies going in the main game there for the first time. And it'll be absolutely wonderful to watch. So Inside Supercars, we'll look forward to reviewing the results of next weekend at Simmons Plains. So thank you from me and good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.